From the Film Society of Lincoln Center, you're listening to The Close-Up. Each week, we present in-depth conversations with some of the biggest names in filmmaking. It's July 29th, 2015. I'm Michael Odemark, one of the show's producers. Today, you'll hear a fascinating conversation with Lisbon-born filmmaker Pedro Costa, whose new film, Horse Money, is now playing here at the Film Society. On the occasion of the U.S. release of Horse Money, we celebrated Costa's incredible career with a complete retrospective entitled Let Us Now Praise Famous Men, the films of Pedro Costa. In addition to his own films, we also invited the director to curate a series of works that influenced him. Among the selections was Howard Hawke's 1955 big-budget epic The Land of the Pharaohs, and Jacques Turner's rarely screened 1958 Red Scare thriller The Fear Makers. Horse Money had its U.S. premiere in the New York Film Festival last fall, where it received much praise from critics. Scott Foundas writes for Variety, Costa has again made a singular docufiction hybrid that defies classification as readily as it reimagines the possibilities of cinema. And Chris Drake from Film Comment says, one could invoke Costa's framing, almost constantly static, lighting, minimal but dramatic, and sound, heavily layered and powerfully atmospheric, but standard critical vocabulary doesn't begin to convey the unique, otherworldly feel of his films. It'd take a song or a poem to do that. During the festival last October, Costa joined festival programmer Dennis Lim for one of our HBO Director's Dialogues. The wide-ranging discussion touched on topics like what he learned from Japanese master director Yasujiro Ozu, his distinctive approach to working with actors, and his opinion of last year's sci-fi blockbuster Dawn of the Planet of the Apes. So let's go now to Dennis Lim in conversation with Pedro Costa from last year's New York Film Festival. Hey there, this is Eugene Hernandez, Deputy Director here at the Film Society of Lincoln Center. Thank you for listening to our podcast, The Close-Up. If you like what you hear, please subscribe to get new episodes delivered to you every week. You can also rate and review the show on iTunes, which will help us reach more cinephiles like you all around the world and help us make this podcast even better. Thanks again for listening, and now back to our show. I was going to at first proceed chronologically through all your films, but um, I thought since uh, in the spirit of Horse Money, which has a very slippery temporal logic, I thought we would just um, mix it up and and speak more uh, fluidly. Um, but I do want to start with this film because you've done two Q&As, uh, one with me and one with Kent earlier, uh, and I feel like we've barely scratched the surface of this film. Um, can I just ask you how you... I've seen the film three times now, and I feel like I, I don't really have um, a grasp of it. Um, and I'm wondering how it is for you um, in showing the film and speaking about it in the past two months at various settings, whether it has changed for you in any way or whether it has come into focus or whether your feelings about it have evolved in any ways. I know it's a film that you've been working on for many years um, and that there were many stages in the production. Um. These are occasions when I tried to think about the film because I didn't have time to think about the film while I was doing it. 
That's one thing that I um, like, or it's not liking, it's trying to set the um, everything, organize everything so that I don't have to think that much. Um, probably like Kent was asking if I was, I, I don't like to think as a director probably, or, uh, or like directors think, or how I imagine directors think today. <laughs> probably they think. Um, I, again, I spent all my time thinking about um, how to get to some place, uh, if it involves money, if uh, health of every and each actor, uh, the crew can be a problem because we should for some films it's two years, another film it's one year, or we shoot for one month and then we stop for two months. And so it's difficult to have a, the same people every time because they need, they need money, they, they have to go somewhere else. They, um, so I would love to have always the same people, but that's not possible. And, and, and I think they like, I mean, Film is also very, it's variety, people need other stuff, so. And my films tend to be very heavy, confined, or they tend to, we tend to be in, always in the same place for a long time. Perhaps it was even more difficult when we had the, the old neighborhood where they lived, that was, I remember that I asked a lot of people to work in that film and some refused because, or went, came there and then went away because they couldn't stand that. They couldn't stand the conditions. <clears throat> and of course in my films you don't have protection. You don't have any kind of protection. The protection that you have in film, in cinema. It's almost a police thing. I mean, you're protected by, like they have here, the, if you see a shooting, yeah, the barriers. If you see somebody shooting, you will see a kind of a police situation. And you don't have that in my film, so you're very alone in the, also during the shooting and left to your also creativity sometimes. For instance, the sound, now I'm trying to have all the time the same sound director, engineer, and he's, he spends a long time working alone, himself, recording this and that, and imagining things and proposing things, and that's great. He doesn't do that in other films. So, <clears throat> so again, it's more thinking, uh, more on the side of production than direction. Then when I get there, I know I will be helped by, 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 by the, these human beings because as you probably notice, I don't do that many shots of what you call empty, empty shots or landscapes or I'm not a, 
So in almost every shot, there's a trace of somebody or, or somebody. So I hope they are, um, they are there. They are there with what they have that day. And, and each day is, uh, wouldn't say a surprise, but it's, it's uh, I don't know, a new day. We don't have a, a plan or a screenplay or <clears throat> um, it's very dangerous to work like this but it's also as I said very it's sometimes it's really I don't know how to say it but there's no other way for me no there's no I cannot even if somebody proposes something very institutional or very nobody is going to propose me something very with a lot of money but something very let's say square i couldn't i couldn't do it and they can't you know but because i will be working with these people it, it will involve a lot of research research on both parts uh, so we need time to to do that and yeah so you had <clears throat> earlier in this earlier Q&A and, and you were alluding to now you were saying that your work is that more that of a producer or somebody who organizes things more than a director I know the word is not very nice producer or organizer producer <laughs> It was nice, now it's not. Because everybody says, ah, oh, the producer produced the classic fight, combat between director and producer. It's the art, but I, art versus I, commerce. I read a lot about, I saw a lot of films when I was young. But I read a lot also. And I had, uh, for me, producers have always been as important and um, as, as, well, not as much, but they had a nice role here and there in Germany, in Russia. And in Russia, they were not called producers. They were called organizers, perhaps, or chief or unit, unit chief or <clears throat> here. Um, when I say thinking like a producer is really, um, yeah, Again, the, 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 the Brecht thing, all my sleepless nights are spent thinking about the money I don't have, the production I want to, the, the sets, the carpenters, the, the wood, the, and not thinking about the artistic, the so-called artistic problems. The artistic problems come after and and they always come. I mean, production can be more difficult to solve production problems, what we call production. I mean. and, and when I, you work like I do, you know, I'm, it's very small, you know, it's very confined, so it's very, again, limited, limited in a good sense sometimes. Not all the time, because perhaps I'm limiting me too much, I don't know, perhaps. 
sometimes, not all the time, but and if you if you are in this kind of situation, you're you have to be careful, really, in every every day, every second, and they are very tiring, exhausting films. Um, so I have to deal with that and think that before. So, so given this very specific way in which you work, do, do you think about the films differently once they're done? I don't know how to answer that. I don't think about my films. I just make them. I don't... don't. Thinking about the film is a very... Think what I think about. I think about very, very. Mm, I would, was going to say invisible things, but they are not invisible. I think about units of time and space that are so so small that I sometimes I can't even myself recognize them. My films, I think, are very microscopic. They are very. If you lose something, if you don't see it, you won't see it. So you won't get the film. They are very difficult in that sense. They are very... I don't know. Uh, everything happens in a very small scale, you know, a very... Uh, uh, I hope this doesn't sound pretentious, but I think uh, this is a lesson I learned hope from Ozu. In Ozu you have this small, small vibration. I don't know if... It's very Japanese also. Now I'm beginning to know the people and the culture and everything. So it's, it's very Japanese. It probably has to do with <coughs> being naked or being very... Or that camouflage they sometimes have, you know. So it, everything happens in a, in a very brief sp space of time. I mean, it's an eye, it's the trouble comes comes and goes and you miss it, you know. It's not it's not a big thing. It's it's the film. I mean, it's a cataclysm, it's colossal, but you cannot see it. It's trembling. It's like Ventura trembling. So in all those films, I see a lot of this, this tremor. Um, and I'm really, the other day I discovered really that Shishu Hyu really trembled a little bit in one of the films. I discovered a shot where he, he picks up something and he, he probably was too nervous or something. But well, uh, I see it. Well, I even see it. I even see the the shot trembling. I don't know. They are um, <coughs> also is a guy who works in completely with how do you say fixed static shots. Yeah. But you could also say that there's no other filmmaker where the camera moves so much. I mean, it, it trembles, and it, that's enough. It trembles. Just by the, um, 
it's contagious, you know, this tremor, the inner tremor of the girl, the boy, the couple, contagious, the, it's contagious for everything, and so everything is very... So, um, I think something happens in my films on, like this. It's small, it's, you have to catch it, you have to... In this film, I've, I've tried to do something... Uh, it's, everything happens or is, some informations are given two times. I was afraid of. <laughs> so everybody says the same thing two times more or less, uh, so that, I mean, I'm fed up of this thing being the, the guy makes the films that nobody understands, they're very nice, but nobody understands, so now I'm <laughs> giving a chance for people. Uh, so, <clears throat> maybe we could say, talk a little bit more specifically about some aspects of, um, of horse money. Um, could you tell me a little about the spaces of the f of the film? Um, the last couple of films were uh, shot in the surroundings of your actors, where they they live. Um, this new film looks for new spaces in a way. These. Can you talk a little about these? Um, the subterranean world, you know, corridors, tunnels, this this kind of hospital that may be an asylum, it resembles a prison, this... Well, that has a... Um, it's a... It's, has, um, it has a reason. Um, nothing is ever intentional, I, I didn't think about that place, it just came because I felt and that the I'm going to call them actors because it's easier because the actors asked me or made me feel they wouldn't like to make another film film where they live <coughs> because they used to live in a place a very poor shanty town and that was demolished and they were moved relocated to social blocks projects and I shot in the old place I shot the projects and after that film they I think they were fed up of being there they are they they are very unhappy in this place uh, and the film we made is about that. They are very unhappy, they are very um, separated one from the others. Um, it's very desolate, it's very violent in different ways than the old place. The old place was... The old place was... The houses were made by their hands, so that was already something. So now even they, they cannot recognize the house, the, the, the walls, you know, it's not their hand doing the their roofs. So I felt, and somebody told me, let's do it some somewhere else. And we did some shorts, two or three short films before this one, 
where everything was uh, set in uh, very close to the to the place where they live, but in this no man's land. This we just crossed the the, the highway, the the roads that circle around the neighborhood, and we crossed that road and. There's five or six trees and some rocks, and we did some stuff there. <coughs> and I felt that we all, we were approaching um, something closer to a theater or something like that, because because we do not have the neighborhood, we do not have the sets, let's say. Because I, s I always saw that place as as a studio, and I tried to make make it my studio, like always saying this. Because every time I I got to the place, they were I f it was like everybody was already dressed up and makeup, and the lights were there, and I mean the lights, the sun was there, or the clouds were there, and you could start working. And that's how I did at least one feature and another short. Then I had to change a little bit. Uh, I adapted to the projects, to these blocks. And that was very difficult for them and for me, because it was at the same time. Uh, they were... They were experiencing problems because they didn't like the houses, they thought the houses were bad, uh, how do you say, damp, um, white, um, cold, and I had almost the same problems because everything was white, and white can be a problem, even much more in video, or at that time was, yeah very raw video um, so I had it was problematic in, on both sides uh, and this is also you know uh, this is also some something that f usual f fiction filmmakers crews don't experience I had the same problems as my actors or you know everybody was trying to search for solutions. How can I live here? How can I shoot here? Should I paint the, the wall? Should I use a filter? Things like that at the same time. <clears throat> and that happens to me a lot. I mean, it's this, this limitation, this confinement, shooting always in interiors, make it much more uh, like a research place like a studio, like theater, perhaps. I don't know how they work in theater, but it's probably... Or music. I made a film. Actually, I made two films. One in the an editing room, and that's completely about searching, researching for where to cut, where to where to cut the, the frame. And another one about music, where you can see musicians rehearsing, repeating, trying to find a chord or uh, 
So this film, for instance, this one or the others, it's not very different when I am with Ventura in the elevator. Uh, we, he's searching for a word or a, an expression, or a, and I'm searching for my camera position, my height, uh, everything that involves camera, or and a little bit of direction in the sense that, yeah, look down, look up. I mean, those kind of things. Um, so, and this was about what? Ah, uh, yeah. So, so they told me perhaps we should go somewhere else. So this somewhere else um, is very frightening because <coughs> uh, where where can we shoot this? stuff um, so uh, I'm a bit between what I call this little theater of that they play that they invent with me and um, a kind of dream of dream of cinema something that could be still resemble a film but really it's not <coughs> it's under cinema for me it's not um, I don't know how to explain but that's I'm it's a frustration I have that I never get there because because I do not have the studio the set the the wardrobe I would like to do I don't know, Land of the Pharaohs, that was my dream. And really, this is, that was my project. So I'm tr trying to do Land of the Pharaohs in a very small scale. Uh, <coughs> um, trying to tell the story of builders and people that built things and lost everything and the spaces they live in or they can perform this this um, play I don't know I we try I'm trying them to I'm helping them to get to some sort of it's not a good word but abstraction that says something a bit stylized. I mean, Ventura has his own rhythm, which is sometimes it's very radical, uh, strange, extravagant. Um, Vitalina, the woman in this film, has its own breath. I mean, she's... And you cannot break it. You cannot... Well, I don't want to, so... I, and I'm trying to, I don't know, involve them with another kind of abstraction, if I can. I mean, these are not a hospital. It's every hospital since the Egyptians. 
because I think Ventura knew every hospital since since the Egyptians till today, and you have seen every hospital in films already, so I don't have to show you another one. So let's let's make it a bit more abstract, strange, strange in the sense of. Uh, interesting, mysterious, let's say. So, so there are real, really two or three corridors in hospitals, the ones that didn't ask for money, and a museum. Well, actually, a Roman, um, a Roman catacomb. Um, Everything else is um, a kind of small studio we got. Not studio, but uh, yeah, studio, like a garage. And there we did everything else. Bedrooms, elevator. <coughs> so I'm a bit afraid because we're going absolutely against the wall, that's for sure. But um, yeah, it's what I say. We do not have the costumes, we do not have the set, so I think very soon it will be it will be a bit um yeah, I don't know, two chairs or one chair or not even a chair. But anyway, this is about memories and and um and I never had the the, um, the desire to go. I mean, the ambition to go shoot mountains and oceans and forests. And, and I do not have the necessary stupidity to make what you have to make in cinema. I'm. I get tired and frustrated very easily and um, it's like uh, <coughs> the story about Rossellini which is a filmmaker that I don't even yeah I like but <coughs> Rossellini had this strange career where he he shot he began shooting a village then a city, then a country, then a continent, and then Socrates. So this will happen to me for sure. It happened already. Because we do not, he didn't have this thing that a filmmaker should have, which is stupidity. You should be a little bit idiot to, I mean, direct a boy and a girl saying, I love you, or when do you come home or I don't know I'm, you have to be a bit naive a bit and um, and in his case was this desire for something completely a totality something I mean very very and I do not have the other thing that a filmmaker, I think, or an artist should have, which is some sort of conviction. I don't have con convictions. I don't 
believe in anything, so it makes it very hard to make films in this way. Because the filmmakers I admire are very religious or very political or communists, more or less. Uh, so, and I'm not. So, I I have to accept this weak things. They're still very weak. They are not strong enough, or dense enough, or tight enough. When you say convictions, are you referring to religion and politics, or? Oh, I mean, my f yeah, some filmmaker friends I have. I know one of them. He believes completely that in space, in that space, and he believes in space because he, he breathes fresh air and he 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 walks in a different way, but. Like, I don't know, my grandfather used to walk. I'm not walking, I'm not breathing fresh air, I'm not. And he believes, he's, he believes, he's, he's a man that has uh, some sort of, not faith because he doesn't like this word. Uh, yeah, he's. Conviction, I don't know, some sort of uh, a set of values. I don't know how to, a combination of, um, combination of something, uh, some, a little bit of hope and a little bit of, um, how do you say, craziness or delirium or something. And I don't, I'm, I think that helps to, I know, find the place for your camera, find a, a good, <coughs> or um, I know it helps a lot to do the production. I mean, if you if you pay people decently, I mean, everybody the same, it will change your film completely. I mean, it will make it a better film, for sure. I have no doubt. I've been doing that for a long time. If you, ch um, there's no departments in my film. Everybody does everything, and <coughs> that changes a lot. And abolishing this um, um, mystification of filmmaking. There's a lot of mystification around um, around the, the act of making a film. It's not it's not a big deal. It's it should be should be more. Um, it's closer to um, I don't know to a, to other kind of routines. I mean, like offices and shoemakers and stuff like that. Uh, this idea that a film is five, six, seven weeks of absolutely luxury and extravagant behavior doesn't mean anything to me. I was never interested in that. And 
the adventure side of filmmaking doesn't I'm don't don't appeal to me never has no so probably that shows I don't know um. <coughs> can um before I open it up for questions I I was hoping we could talk a you touched on it, I think, in both Q and A's, but I, I wanted you to maybe talk a little bit more about the the elevator scene, um, which was the first thing that you shot and also existed in a slightly different form as a short film, which was part of an omnibus of, um, from a couple of years ago. Um, I guess there are many things about that scene that that um, make it remarkable and I I, 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 would, I would love to hear you talk about how you know how it came together with Ventura what what was the starting point what um, how did you work on on the writing with him uh, the, the figure of the soldier um, the sound design uh, the that burst of organ music I mean there's many things about that scene that I'd love to hear you actually the explain. two people who did the sound design are here okay somewhere. great <clears throat> it took a long time to f um, invent. It began with the story uh, that Ventura was very afraid of this image that came to him um, every winter, he, said, he told me which was a man in a steel hood coming to get him with uh, a knife coming to try to kill him so i asked him if this guy was a um, soldier or um, what was this hood what was this helmet or this steel thing and he never explained i think on purpose i he never explained me or this my friend who does the sound or because we're the crew is we are four when it's a big big production we are four normally we are three so we sit down and who is this man and then never never explain so i tried to draw see if it was a monster with a helmet or a, i don't know we showed him um, statues of some monsters from Transformers the movies things like that <coughs> just to see if it fitted you know and then he said um, sometimes he appears in elevators in the hospital so the elevator was good because I mean for me it's really already something three four walls ceiling mm, two and a half meters perfect <coughs> the problem was the man and um, i thought there would, would mm, no problem with dialogue or i knew it would be um, spoken i would there would be words he would he would it would be the place where this, I call it exorcism, could be set in motion. <clears throat> there would be a guy 
exercising Ventura while he exercises himself, and it's a mirror thing all the time. And um, and then because on my way from I don't know down I live downtown now in Lisbon, and it's becoming very touristic or very. There's lots of artists um, do this statue, you know. They play Mozart or soldiers or no, not soldier, but I don't know, uh, poets or I don't. Know, they they stand in the streets and and I there was this special one that I saw in this street and uh, one day I approached him and and I didn't know he he was the more or less the father of all of them he was the first one he's, he's already a man in his 50s so he was the one he's the world champion of immobilism that's how it's called immobility but uh, immobilism there's champ there's uh, they they get together in Vienna and Perhaps here they do their con their conventions and they they have inventions now. They have this kind of levitation. Sometimes I don't know if you have seen it. It's very fun. Funny they have this. They could levitate and be have all kinds of things. Well, but the idea is to be still for hours. So I thought this could be a solution because. Not being still, but not opening his mouth. That would, could be an idea, because not opening the mouth, you can go very, very far. If you don't open your mouth, you can say everything. That was the idea. Not only you can say everything, you can be everybody. <coughs> and that's the trick with horror movies or yeah, spooky things voices dark so I thought that could be possible and he said yes this guy was and and then we tried this soldier uh, thing and I thought it worked and and we began rehearsing the the only problem was he couldn't be there for more than one, two hours, one hour and a half, because the paint is very toxic and he cannot be. So we had very brief moments with him, uh, the soldier. That was the only problem. He had to take off his makeup and put it on again, so it was a bit like in a film. That was the only thing annoying. But the rest went, um, we rehearsed for a long time, and then we shot it for three months. And I was writing what Ventura was telling me, I was putting some stuff from me, or not me, but there are some things. Um, just organizing the text. And there are some citations, quotes. In there the are house. some from... Most of them are from actually the soldiers from the revolution, the, mm. the revolution in Portugal '74, which is <coughs> kind of 
around this film, over or under this film, was made by um, captains, young, very young captains, 20, 25 year old guys. And, and I picked up some interviews and texts they, after they wrote, all of them wrote biographies and gave interviews, so there are a lot of things from the captains um, and but other people there I think there's a, a little bit of Tolstoy and, and um, I don't remember Freud yes. no not Freud Lacan you know the psychoanalyst uh, doctor crazy doctor there's um, some which is really very very small the rest the main thing I don't know 80% is Ventura's uh, own completely words and, and outside of the elevator Vitaline is completely her dialogue uh, she is word for word she uh, she told it and, and I recorded it um, it was very difficult to shoot because it's for Ventura it was very difficult to be watching that because he was really suffering, really f physically. It was very painful for him. And also mm, talking about this, because he doesn't really like to talk so, about this um, ghosts or the things that he have in his head. And he now seeing them portrayed in a, in a screen, it must be hard, I mean, it's but, <coughs> so, and anyway, it was a, a scene or a block of scenes that had its difficulties, not more or less than the others, but a bit different. Uh, you know, being in this, this cube, inside another cube, every day, it's, and stuff. The only thing I liked a lot, or I liked, I, I was trying to get some, was um, trying to have these little changes, expressions from the, the soldier, having this fun and trying to move the camera a little bit and playing a little bit with him, like. Uh, that was the only relief to find some reactions and to things that Ventura was saying or the voices were you heard. But um, yeah, um, it's also a bit difficult because sometimes he was not there, the soldier. So Ventura was acting alone, performing alone, and always difficult. But and the snatch of music that we hear the music yeah what it's music the, the ah, there is a yeah that was um, the music in the elevator is a piece from uh, it's a little bit from uh, organ piece by a French composer called Messia is a twentieth century composer. Olivier Messiaen, and he's a very religious man, a Catholic musician, 
was, is dead. Um, one of the musicians who, let's say contemporary, that uh, was more fond of organ music, so he continues a little bit what Bach, for instance, had done. He actually played the organ every Saturday in a church in Paris all his life. <coughs> and he did this piece. This piece is called uh, Apparition of the Holy Church. It scares, huh? It scares you. And it's this for five minutes. Uh, so I just extracted a little bit. Um, I cannot tell you how and it seemed that it had its place there and but I cannot tell you anymore. I think it's very scary and very deep and very I think Ventura deserves that and the, the organ deserves Ventura and they like like I don't know things like that. I think they are made for each other and bringing this kind of uh, high art into this into this um, project. In the last Q and A, you uh, you mentioned you had some aspiration to be a figure like Val Luton, who is a little unusual as a producer because he, he defined and, and chose the lighting for the films he worked on. So could you talk about the lighting in your films? And because, you all, as you say, money is very important, um, the technical aspects and, and the, the process you go through designing the lighting. I can't, but... Um You can talk about that or editing like this. I mean, would be. I can. What can I tell you? Now there's a big help because for me, I've been doing this video or small cameras, digital cameras for a long time, and it suits me. It's okay. I have no dreams of 35 or. And I'm not fetishist in that sense of, I've, I did film 30, it's over. I'm, and it, for me, it solved a lot of problems. Uh, production, economics, it solved a lot of problems, digital. Um, I was having a lot of trouble with crews and uh, every time I made a film, I made three or four films with big crews and, and still with the normal and um, it's what we talked the other day the, uh, it seemed to me that everything was happening behind me not in front um, the fiction was behind the camera not in front in front seemed very and I had no time to think and and uh, to hear and uh, yeah, it didn't was no no good for me. So I tried to change, and I was lucky because it was 
this moment when digital was becoming really available. I bought this camera in a shop and uh, I had a tripod, plastic, small, and I put everything in a bag and I went to start something without hopes. I was The camera was very bad. I mean, I had made films in 35. I saw that what this camera was doing and it's very... But then with time, you know, you... The camera, even the camera helped me find uh, what I was looking for. So that's why I like a lot and respect a lot the, the machines, the, the equipment. The, they help you find things. It's not, they work with you if you... So this small digital camera that I bought and still I think very good, it's a Panasonic DVX100. It's a story I've been telling. It had a lot of stickers, um, yellow stickers. Uh, uh, it says, uh, I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was, f it's very flashy, a lot of things. And, and it seemed to, to, all the stickers seemed to say, use me, move me, abuse me. And I just made it still. I mean, she just put it on a tripod and stayed in a bedroom with this girl, Vanda, for one year. <coughs> and slowly it became... I had this notion, like I was telling you about Ozu. I, this is a fantasy too, but it's good for the film. It's uh, good to have this kind of fantasy. It was like the pixels um, helped the, the the pixels and the wall, the the paintings on the the green wall or the blue paints in those places, because this is people that like this kind of warm and sometimes fading colors, but warm colors. They seem to move and to was this vibration, you know. That went well with what she was saying, what, with her feelings, her anger. So suddenly, for the first time, I had a feeling that everything was the film, you know. Everything was with the film. Money, me, her, camera, everything. So, I'm not saying the film was good or I was, but I was enjoying making the film because it was the end met the, the means. I mean, everything was in place, not like in a normal production, unfortunately, where there's this, you know, contradiction all the time. And uh, it, contradiction is good, of, of course, but in in, it, in the right place. And, I mean, with the actors playing and the text and the ideas, that's good, but not not on the production side. So I don't know, Val Luton, as you know, probably you know much more than me. <laughs> he did. He wrote also the screenplays. 
he wanted to direct probably, but he was very afraid or ashamed. Or <clears throat> but a lot of producers wanted to direct and wrote and some good, some bad, but uh, Luton was more confined like myself, more, he believed more in, believed he was forced, but I think he believed also in this kind of, if you don't lose yourself, you know, be in this very small space and work it, work this space, it's better for you to be Again, I'm going to say it because I love these people and I, I respect people like this Romer, Eric Romer, a French filmmaker. He used to say that cinema is uh, an art of limits. Um, if you go beyond a certain limit, it sees it's no longer a film, it's no longer cinema. These limits, he, he called it reality. He didn't call it realism, he called it reality. So I think what I was in need for or searching for, when I'm talking about limitation and these people and the neighborhood and everything else, is not doing what I used to do in normal productions or film that I did and I still see my colleagues doing, which is escaping from reality like a vampire from the sun. Every filmmaker tries to escape reality like the cross. <laughs> and you should confront um, some sort of reality. Some sort of reality, real reality, not fake or f fantasized or projected. I have no other way because I'm so, so, you know, with these people, in these places, with this kind of budget, with my own limitations, my own obsessions, it's pure reality, you know, it's nothing else. So I think this way I can go a little bit more into what I was telling you, abstraction, but I don't, it's a bad word. And But it all starts with the money you have, uh, where can we shoot, where can we go, where they would will not ask us for money, uh, because today is like that. Um, uh, and if the film is worth it, also, a little bit. Because something else is that you, you should never forget the reason that made you start something. That was always a problem for me, also before when I made the films. In the second week or even before, I didn't even remember why I was there. It was just, you know, page 64 or stuff like that, stupid, stupid, really stupid. Hi, how are you? Um, search Mikel from uh, Utopolis uh, Lock magazine. Uh, how do you plan a certain kind of relationship with your actors uh, when you are in a confined space, hours after hours? Uh, is there any myth, you know, method or methodical 
kind of approach that you set up before uh, taking that journey every time you uh, make a movie? Um, no, not really. They are they are friends. We have been doing this for a long time. I know how. I'm just concerned about their health. Uh, if they have a fever or if she's cold or stuff like that. And um, I would say it's about it. Uh, are you okay? I, do, I don't believe in acting. I'm sorry. I don't know what acting is. You don't believe. I, they are not characters for me in a... In a this is not a screenplay, and they are not actors. It's something they pull out of themselves, from themselves, from their memories, and probably it's... I don't know if it's even true what they're telling me. I don't want to verify. I just ask them, and sometimes it's interesting, and. And I go along with that story or that memory. Others are a bit more. Um, we'll we'll leave them aside. From, but um, so the relationship we have, the relation is is a working really. It's work, you know. We go to work. This film was a bit more difficult because. Ventura is really not well, so he cannot work every day or he's getting tired more easily. But the films before, we, uh, what I'm more um, into is having this routine. I like the routine of, I think there's not enough r routine in filmmaking. Routine is a very good thing for me. I have to do the same thing every day uh, and it's a small variation i we go little by little hopefully it will be a little bit better or not even better just a variation in this word these two words this gesture but it's and saying this i would recommend you a documentary about Chaplin where you see him do exactly that for he did I don't know 3,000 takes 4,000 takes really you can see the clapboard the same thing um, just stupidly the same thing and suddenly finding how to fall or from a ladder or something um, I don't know. It's, uh, I don't want to analyze this method, but uh, because it's very painful when you're inside the process because you're doing the same thing without any hope. It's very mechanical. But 
it's the only hope I have. It's to I don't have I don't I don't have that faith or that hope for um, imagination and creativity all the time. And uh, uh, I yeah should go there. Yeah, more regular thing, you know, from nine to seven, and we have a something to do, a scene, and we will try to do it. Here comes the production thing, and because I am my own producer, more or less, I can be there for years if I want, years really. And that is copying, I'm copying completely Chaplin because, you know, I don't know if you know, but he did The Gold Rush, he did two times completely. He did it once and then he did it again because he did it one in studio and another one in, in location. And he spent years doing the same thing. And uh, It's very mechanical for me. Um, boring if you see what we do it's very boring it's always the same thing and i've been telling because people like this um, need need to to do the, the I, I i'm not a believer in um, spontaneity or the first thing i th always think that the first thing that crosses your mind is not very good in general for me, I have to test it, and in general, it's not very good. So, I'm very disappointed the first time somebody says something, or I mean, in the work. So we do take after take after take, and and most of these people need that, and they they understand that. I mean, and there's another thing that I don't know if I. I'm always saying this because it's. I think it's important. Working with this kind of um, this I have to I have, a, I have another job. I have, I have to do the film the best I can and how I like it and how I imagine it. But I have another job and the other job is telling them that's perhaps why I don't have convictions because I have to like if I or perhaps I'm the director producer and this is where it works I have to tell them the actors especially that this is possible that they can do it that it was like this in 19 15, it was like this. It was a camera on a tripod and it was in a, in a street corner. And there was dogs and a girl. And it's not like that anymore. It's, it's fake. It's, but it's still possible. And I have to keep repeating this for them because, you know, these are people that have no relation to cinema. They, they don't care. They, of course they don't care. It's how should they care? Because this, it's not important. It's not useful filmmaking today. Films are not like they used to be in general.
we can say that the films were more a little bit more useful and than they are now I mean even documentaries are becoming documentary filmmaking is becoming a bit phony I think <coughs> but uh, so I have this other hat I have to tell them listen this is possible with this money because if not nobody believes me if we have I don't know ten dollars and we want to make a film they would say no you cannot do it so I have to do no no it's possible it's possible we have to find a solution but it was made like that it exists there's lots of examples of films being made this way but you have to create your own or different ways of organizing the work and that happens on the production on the production side on the, the so-called boring boring side of the work could you talk a little bit about the letter the letter received Ventura writing and Vitalina reading the and letter. The, especially in relation to the letter in your other films, the letter that comes from Robert Duano and we see all the time. And, you know. um, I could talk about that, but I don't know how to, so I'm embarrassed. There's... Um, now I'm used to letters because there's always letters in the film in films I've, I've been making. In this one, something changes. It's, you don't know what's there. Um, you, no one knows. You can imagine what's there, perhaps. Uh, probably a love letter, probably. I'm not sure. Um, it's, it's a s simple metaphor for for me um, because the beginning of my relationship with these people and this place and and these films began with letters also because I made a film in their homeland in their in Cabo Verde where they come from a long, a long time ago I made a film there in the end of the shooting a lot of people there, people that live there, gave me letters to bring to to the people who lived in immigrants in in Lisbon. So letters for husbands, mothers, and I went to that place and gave the letters to to the families, and that get, got me into the, of course, more easily got me inside the community because I was a guy who brought some news and uh, I was immediately accepted and it was a great password more or less so um, now you can make a metaphor about this I mean <coughs> I was passing something and they passed me something I the only thing that I find great in this story is that um, because I was making films and working with 
the so-called imagination and I never knew what's written in those letters that I brought. So I, the metaphor is I decided to be the kind of filmmaker that doesn't know what is transmitting. I, I prefer not to know what's in the, re the letter. Some directors want to know exactly word for word what's inside that envelope. It's a metaphor. I don't know what's written there. I prefer to see the reaction of in Vitalina's face or Ventura's eyes, and it's more interesting in this in this film. Um, <clears throat> so it's um, I don't know. It's it's a memory of something also a letter is something sentimental also and oh yeah dawn of the planet of the apes we have promised uh, that we would talk about no, no we, we didn't we all we, we okay we don't have to but i know you're a fan yeah i think it, uh, i think it's i liked it yeah but why not it's uh Lots of apes, and I think there's a good idea there in this film. I don't know what it is, the idea, but it works. For me, it works really well. And I think there's a lot of invention, and it's a very rich film on that side. On the, It's a very... Uh, it's very intimate. It's about... It's not at all... Of course, it's spectacular in that sense. I mean, what you call spectacle or spectacular, but it's done with. It's carefully done. I think it. I don't know. I like it. I just. It's rare because I never see anything. I don't go to theaters anymore because I'm too lazy or I have no hope. <laughs> And I have really, I, it, um, but you should go, and I'm not advising not to go, but I've, uh, and I'm too into the old stuff. I keep seeing all over the same again and again. But um, yeah, the other day I told, uh, there's, I like uh, Spike Lee, some things I, I really do. I think there was, Less and less, I think, is being a bit more lazy, but but there was something there, very invent inventive, and and I like a lot of some more filmmakers, of course. I really love a very a very probably somebody you don't know because Wang Bing, a Chinese filmmaker called Wang Bing, I think is very is a very courageous guy, and <coughs> and he's doing a great work uh, but um, Planet of the Apes yeah no but I don't know if you have seen it try to see it perhaps I'm wrong but I think there are really great very moving scenes and I saw it on the plane coming here so <laughs> but I think it's well you see, I s normally uh, on the plane you see 
bits and pieces and you sleep or if you can or and this time I saw this film I saw it complete so I think it stands it resists the turbulence and the it really stood for me there and still there. Uh, it probably has even nice colors and I, I don't know. It was it seemed a bit brown, but um, but check it out. <laughs> okay, uh, we have to wrap it up now. But Pedro, thank you for being here. Thank, thank you. you for the film. Thank you. All. The Close-Up from the Film Society of Lincoln Center is produced by Nick Kemp and Michael Oatmark. Our opening music is by Steelism. You can subscribe to The Close-Up on iTunes and Stitcher. The Film Society of Lincoln Center is a nonprofit arts organization based in New York City supported by individuals just like you. Founded in 1969 to celebrate American and international cinema, the Film Society presents year-round programming recognizing established and emerging filmmakers, supporting important new work, and enhancing awareness, accessibility, and understanding of the moving image. To learn more about what we do and support the Film Society by becoming a member, please visit filmlink.com, F-I-L-M-L-I-N-C.com. The Film Society of Lincoln Center. Film lives here. <laughs>